Welcome back to the Hidden Things and Hidden Things, episode 18, the home of Rage Exposition, what we like to call Rexposition, or something. Rage Position, something. Big fight between uh, Vicus and Calliope, where we get uh, a little bit more story about what Vicus's deal with Walker is and, and what's going on there. Walker makes an interesting comment in this thing where he, he refers to Vicus. Obviously, they have some history there where something happened and... We'll probably, we're going to learn some more about this down the road, but Vicus made a deal with Walker for some reason or another. And, the, and the, the payoff for that deal that he made was that later he would apparently have to owe Walker, which really means something when you're one of the hidden things. He doesn't owe Walker anymore. And, and that's when the whole situation with Phagos and the, and the diner and, and Vicus having technically been killed kind of comes out, which is sort of a cheat because Phagos folded time and made it so it never happened. So if that never happened, then he broke you know, whatever. There's a couple of paradoxes in there. That's okay. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey to quote Stephen Moffat. Walker in here refers to, refers to Vicus as a cousin, which is mm, not true. I mean, not, not in the cousiny shared blood sense of things. I think they are very close to one another in terms of what they are or what they were rather. They're cousins in the sense that they're all part of the same sort of quest carpool they all have to do with this whole this whole thing with with somebody from the mortal world coming into the hidden realms and and making a choice and they all have a role to play and as such they're not family and they're not friends and they're not they're just they're really longtime coworkers they're they're family isn't that what the phone company calls them right now they're frenemanalies friend something i don't know whatever they are they are so yeah, Walker Walker has finally just completely given up on this whole like we're going to let her make a choice kind of thing. I would rather put a bullet in her brain and let everything else rot, which we will find out a little bit more down the road why that would be the result of her dying. I would rather let the world of my people rot around me than let her screw things up any worse than they already are. That is his built-up frustration about this finally coming to a head. We get a little bit more of that in the next scene with Vicus and Calliope in the hotel room, because, because Vicus is mad and he's no longer beholden to Walker, which seems like a good thing. And yet he is still angry. In retrospect, you have to kind of wonder why he's so mad. He's, he's doing one of those things where he's having an argument with Calliope. But what he's bringing into it is the ammunition and fuel and the rage really from Lots of fights and arguments and anger that don't have anything necessarily to do with Calliope. And they're just, they're coming back. It's like one of those old fights where you have a fight, but the fight's really about stuff that you've been fighting about for the last 13 years. Not that I'm specifically thinking of anyone in particular. But in this case, it's, it's far more than 13 years. Um, we've seen hints of this before with Vicus, where he mentions that people just flatten the color out of things it's not that they they leach the color out of the world but they make all the colors match in vicus's world in the world of the hidden things and those the world where those creatures are the alpha predator so to speak the colors don't match and now they do and that's best because of the people like calliope her kind as he says kind of just ironing everything flat and making it from from vicus's point of view boring this has been going on and he's been one of those people who will find out what the actual mechanics of that are down the road, kind of. You have to kind of take some guesses at it, but 
he's one of those people who's taking part in, in one of those efforts to make that not happen. Or if you can't beat them, not join them exactly, but get them to work for you. If you can't beat them, at least recruit them. Yeah, subvert them. And that's kind of what's going on with Calliope. And the problem is, while that's his effort and what he's doing to sort of save his world, it doesn't work most of the time. He's been failing. He's the guy, and everybody recognizes that, but he's also the guy who hasn't had a, he hasn't had a, a check in the wind column for a really long time. So things keep getting worse, partly because of what he's doing to make things better. They would get worse if he wasn't doing it, but he has to feel partly responsible for that. And all that frustration kind of boils up here because not only is one of his little wards that he's guiding through this thing screwing up, but they're screwing with him. He didn't like what was true about him, this thing that he owed Walker, but it was something that was true about him and something that Calliope did made it not true. He's now been messed with. He is now the victim of the sort of random, blind, stompy child arrogance that for him personifies humankind. And that's where a lot of that anger comes from and that argument is just, one more time, you've just ruined everything and, and you don't think it's true, so it must not be true. And what did you do to me? And technically, she didn't really do anything to him. In fact, she didn't even really know that he didn't have to listen to Walker. She didn't understand why he was listening to Walker. So he was just trying to convince him, no, you don't have to listen. It's fine. Because she didn't really believe in the whole old thing. So she's just trying to convince him otherwise. He reads it slightly differently. And as a result of that, realizes that even though she doesn't understand it, she's right. And, and that's where that whole scene comes from. Walker and Vikas have a very long, 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 long history. So there's a lot of baggage there when they tend to butt heads. Because even though they're all, even back when things were working correctly and they were all technically working towards the same goal, they were working towards the same goal on opposite sides of the, the fence, so to speak. Walker's always going to be the bad guy, even if he's trying to do good. Right now, he's the bad guy who isn't trying to do good. So that's an evolution you know, before he had a, a job to play. It was all kind of an act, I guess. And now it's not an act anymore, and now he has a gun. I have a thing to confess about the Joseph Campbell, you know, like the hero's journey type stuff. The book bores the shit out of me. I have never read it. I can't, I can't read it. Um, I've tried like three times, and I basically, whenever I read it, I just kind of give up and watch Star Wars again. But, okay, yeah, he does assert, and this is a very Star Wars kind of thing, you know, the bad guys, the baddest of the bad guys have the ones with, have the cleanest white halls and the shiniest black suits, the most orderly lifestyle, and the, the good guys are rumpled and disheveled and smell like burning tires. And Okay, well, maybe me projecting and, and stuff like that. So, did I do that on purpose? No, but his book may be boring, but that doesn't make him wrong. We are creatures who do not enjoy too much order. Walker's not quite there. He's not quite shiny white halls and black suits, but he is wearing a suit and it is pretty neat and tidy. And he is trying to assert what he considers to be the best version of order on this, even as he acknowledges that that will probably eventually lead to stagnation and rot. He knows that and doesn't care because he can't stand the chaos anymore. And that's in there. And, and certainly Vicus is the disheveled hero. He, he makes Han Solo look like a new kid on the block. He's so rumpled. The thing I disagree with on Campbell is the concept of a bad guy, I guess, a little bit. I mean, certainly Walker, I mean, it's not that the mold doesn't fit, but here's my take on bad guys and good guys. There are no bad guys, if you ask the bad guys. 
Nobody thinks they're a bad guy. Everybody is the hero of their own story. They might be wrong by the judgment of 99.99999% of everybody everywhere, plus all the dogs and cats, but they think they're the good guy. They, if not the good guy, at least they have a justifiable reason for what they're doing or what they're saying or whatever. Everybody makes mistakes, obviously. You might do something you regret, but in the grand scheme of things, that was a mistake. Even if they say that they made a mistake, that was a mistake. But other than that, I've been on the side of the angels. Walker thinks he's on the side of the angels. Gluin thinks he's a good guy. Gluin is the hero who was put upon by this nasty little creature named Calliope. And who knows, maybe he's right. You know, maybe, maybe they're all right. Phagos absolutely sees himself as the good guy. He is another version of that, the sort of clean, you know, uh, orderly fellow. If you look at his descriptions and stuff, he's wearing like a nice tidy little suit and he must be living right. Cause look how long he's lived. He's powerful and he is a wonder. He is unique probably in the world more so even than some creatures that we will meet soon. So they all see themselves as doing a certain thing. Now, Vicus will at least acknowledge that he's at least partly doing it for power, but it's partly because he doesn't trust anybody else with that power, including the people he's taking the power away from who've had it for a very long time. Nobody's the bad guy. And that's, that's an important thing to remember because it keeps everything that somebody does or especially says in these kinds of situations from sounding hackneyed and stupid and cliche. It's one way to help. Because when Walker says something, he's saying it from a place that believes that it's the right thing to say. So he's not going to be like, I'm just doing it because it'll make you bleed. You know, no. He shoots Calliope not because he wants her to hurt. That is a beneficial side effect that he is completely willing to accept. But in the end of things, he just doesn't want her to pull off anything. And frankly, he's just tired of talking to her and he's going to kill her anyway. So he's just going to cut to the chase. He's not doing it to be mean. He's doing it because it's the quickest way to what he wants. And what he wants is the best thing for everybody. So yeah, good guys, bad guys. These are just concepts. But anyway, that's where we are. And the next part's going to be the end of chapter 13. And I believe we're coming in on the end of the third stage of this story. Uh, but yeah, first cops, bullhorns, and a very, 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 very stupid trick on Vicus's part. That um, one of the reasons I love that guy. I just don't love reading his voice because it makes my throat kind of go a little bad. Anyway, we will talk to you guys next time. 